Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Budget Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. But must we? Do we have to? Yeah. We could also talk... You know what? I want to start with some good news, which we we didn't actually mention last week. But Caitlin, you're engaged. What? Yeah, when? I am. <laughs> when? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Congratulations. Caitlin, you got to post these things on Instagram. I, you did a sneaky I story. I saw a sneaky story, and I was going to bring it up Wednesday, but you started the last Wednesday's episode by saying, I am exhilarated, and never will I stop Caitlin Bird when she says that. I thought you were going to say I'm exhilarated because I'm engaged. You said I'm exhilarated that we had a decent performance. But this is the week that is so exciting. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. In terms of the the bad news or the news, we can discuss. we can discuss if we're, you know, I've been watching a lot of the vow too, so you know maybe we're we're ascribing too much meaning to this news. Maybe we need to have an EM on this news. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I like know what you're saying, but I did not watch it. Anyway. I'm like, I'm like so over the creepy cult people. But if you want to keep delaying talking about the news, we can talk <laughs> about Taylor Swift's pre-sale oh, thank line. You. I wanted to do that. I, that is exactly how I wanted. And to capitalism. Open. Thank you. Yes. Rough. Did you did you make an attempt, Sammy, to get to no. Yeah, I, I wasn't fit for that journey either. I hate crowds in person. Yeah. You're going to tell me to join a digital crowd so that I can then get to an in-person crowd? Like, yeah. if I if tickets cross my path, sure. But, like, I'm not dealing with this shit. I don't have the Capital One card. I'm not getting one. And I don't – like, I, I can't. It was a full – it was a full day of effort. I'm not people. giving my – I'm not adding additional frustration into my life. Like, there's nothing – I don't think there's like anything on this earth, like no event <laughs> that would be worth it to me. The tickets are now on StubHub for like $11,000, which is like a seat on a private plane. Which just proves that this dumb ass verified fan system is not real because either people are like – And when you explain for the non-Swifties what that was, there was like a process to try to confirm people with the presale were actual fans, not – I don't know if the proper word is scalpers, I guess. This is not only for Taylor Swift. Lots of really, really popular artists do this where like their presale is so – like they know that the when they release the tickets, the demand is going to be so high. So a lot of bands or artists will create some sort of like incentive system where they work with Ticketmaster to verify fans. And there are different things you can do to get like higher on the verified fan system. And with Taylor Swift, one of the things you can do is buy merch. So mm-hmm. – People buy a lot of merch so that they can like get to the be this verified fan. And it's like, so they have this system and it's supposed to basically weed out 
scalpers and people who are going to resell it so that so that like the real fans will be able to buy like a face value ticket that's like $300 rather than like 11,000 so yeah but so we, by having the the presale you're you're essentially saying like oh these people will actually come to the concert and want like an affordable ticket that's not really what happens because obviously when all these tickets show up for $11,000 on mm-hmm. a, a resale site they're that just drives up the cost of tickets. This also happened with um, Bruce Springsteen. Mm. And the reason is because Ticketmaster is the only site you can get, like, a ticket from that is um, – and they basically set this thing called dynamic pricing, which mm-hmm. you all know what that is, like Uber, whatever. Responsive to demand, yeah. yeah. But because there's so much demand, even for, like, the fans in presale – it's impossible to get a ticket that's like not thousands of dollars. And for an artist like Bruce Springsteen, whose like whole thing is based on like the everyman and like right. the factory worker. And like these people have been his fans for decades. And they're not like rich people. They're like people who are like blue-collar guys. Like well, also who live just music, his fans. And they, yeah. Live music and, used to be something that you didn't really have to be super rich to always like enjoy. Not to get too, you know, like you're right. All about this topic, but like it is it is pretty sinister. Like how there's right. just there used to be two places to get a ticket. Now there's one and they can do whatever they want. Right. And they don't yeah. have any incentive to make their site better. They don't have incentive to lower their fees. There's like literally a fucking fee to email you a ticket. Like, I heard they added insane. on about a hundred dollars just in fees. There's always it's always a thousand dollars for fees. Like a thousand And AOC pointed this out that they are a monopoly and that basically they were allowed to merge with the other major um ticket seller in the in the air basically in the market and that creates like monopolies we've been through this it's like if you've played the game monopoly if you this is why like, you have bad internet in new york city you know like yeah like mon- monopolies are everywhere and they are they are always bad and as somebody who was reading newspapers day to day from like the late 1800s into the early 1910s like it's people knew that monopolies were bad. Like it was just on the page. People that weren't even literate and they were like, that's not a good thing. So we, we have the power to. And now we have people like run, now kids are running around their campuses with their laptops sobbing. <laughs> we could have known. We could have known. All right. I hope that your journey trying to get Taylor Swift tickets was successful. And if it wasn't, I hope that you are independently wealthy, I guess. And you can just buy. Also, how fun – like a concert of all people that are like mostly people that can afford that – like those aren't fun. Those aren't the fun people I refuse to believe. It's insane. $5,000 for a ticket? Who? Nobody. Who? It is an irresponsible Maybe thing. Maybe that girl on TikTok. <laughs> It's just having watched an enormous amount of high-end real estate shows, I have to say that rich people are not the people with the most taste. Exactly. Lots of blank, empty spaces. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, like I I would not go to a concert where like $5,000 was the baseline for a ticket because that would be a boring ass. Exactly. I just have, I just have thoughts. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. But I hope everyone's emotionally well today. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. It it happened. Last night, Donald Trump, who lost the popular vote twice, who was impeached twice, who is under federal investigation, who has been credibly accused of sexual assault by multiple women, and who unleashed a deadly insurrection onto the United States Capitol. I've left some things out, of course. That man announced he will be running for president in 2024. So I'm not going to say too much about what this human tapeworm trapped inside of society had to say, but I will note that CNN's Daniel Dale said that Trump made at least 20 false or misleading statements. It was probably more than that. Sammy, I think, did you watch the announcement? What? what no. How would you describe... Okay, you sort of were like on Twitter, though. I we wa- I watched some clips this morning. Let's start really broadly. How would we describe the the tenor of Donald Trump's announcement? Low energy, spite announcement, desperation. However, for what he needs to accomplish, very smart. I had a visceral reaction to this happening because I. <laughs> I never believed. Yeah, I didn't see until the morning that you were like, I'm going to have a panic attack. And then I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I, yeah, no, I had, my heart started like beating so fast when he actually got on stage. I'm like, oh my God, God. he really is doing it. Because as much as I try to predict like trends and I feel like I can do that, Mm -hmm. I never believe that anything is like final until it's like literally happening. And I was just like, there's possible, like to me, I would have bet that he would have made an announcement, but I wouldn't. I wasn't 100% sure that he would, like, get there and, like, mm-hmm. when he would get there. But I actually think the reason he did it now partly is the indictments and the fact that he was supposed to answer a subpoena yesterday mm-hmm. but didn't. Oh, my God. Regardless, no one's even talking about that. I think he did it because – so everyone's talking Trump's over, Trump's over. He yeah. needed to consolidate power, like, the remaining fans right now and energize them or else – Because if he laid low, like, he would have continued to be more irrelevant. Like, it would have sunk in for people Mm -hmm. that, like, he's done. And so it was, like, classic Trump, classic fascist for him to do this. And, like, Mm -hmm. what's scary as much as now everyone's talking about how, like, he's over. We don't want him anymore. Once the train – once where the train is going and it's headed in a certain direction, you don't know what X factors are going to happen that he could actually end up being the president. Who knows what will happen because we're talking about 80-year-olds here. We're talking about a really, really volatile environment. So the fact that he's even running, that there are papers that have been filed, I had a visceral panic reaction to that. Okay. Caitlin, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, Trump had announced that he was going to do this a few weeks ago. He set the date um, a bit. So I – 
I mean, it wasn't kind of known that it was coming. The difference was that we kind of, before the election, there was this expectation that he would be triumphant. And instead, uh, I believe that the room smelled strongly. I, I was not present uh, and I did not watch um, because I care about myself. But um, I, I believe it smelled strongly of flop sweat. So <laughs> Yeah, there's there's one video in particular that like people are leaving. It's very low energy. I think it's on our Instagram stories. Low energy is the only way to describe it. These should be his most excited people who have been waiting since January 6th to hear him say this. And it's very quiet in the room. People don't realize when they're supposed to cheer. Uh, People are trying to leave. There's like a line of people who are trying to get out. Um, again, like Sammy said, like I'm not going to say he's over because anything could anything could happen. But it does seem like the midterms outcome may have had may have had some effect. But it's just interesting to see the appetite for Trump versus just the things that could happen that that buoy him anyway. Yeah, I think that there's a it's a mistake to think that the Republican Party can just um, back away from this. There's why, the question you have to ask is why didn't they do it before? You know, um, why didn't they they back away before? And it's also interesting to note that um, the efforts did work in New York. It yeah. did work in a lot of like marginal places. Like, sure, yeah. he he is not succeed. Like they didn't get a, a wave the way they expected, but they did win a lot of marginal seats. And there are a lot of election deniers being sent back to Congress there are a lot of people who, who sure, they didn't want people running their elections like this, but they didn't have a problem with people endorsing Trump. Lee Zeldin did better, despite the fact that he's like hand in hand with Trump. Trump is from New York. New York Republicans weren't deterred at all. So you can't, you, I, I think that people forget that like Trump is the Republican base. He is them. They are him they are melded together in a very tight way. And I don't think Republicans have enough to move center without keeping them on board. So I fully expect that Trump is going to start consolidating power again. And all the people who come out again, like they did a bajillion times in 2016 to say like, oh, we don't believe in him anymore. He lost us an election, blah, blah. He's going to lose, blah, blah. They're all going to line up as soon as they realize that there's no space to their left. Yeah, it's true. I, you're, you're totally right. There's no like, there's no solid um, messenger for that middle anymore. So why isn't it Ron DeSantis? Why, why, what do you think Ron DeSantis can solve for them that, what are they, what solution is, are they hoping that he gives them that you, you guys don't think is going to be effective? They are hoping that he provides clean MAGA. Like, he wants the same shit as Trump. He just like wants it like to look professional. Mm-hmm. The problem is that Ron DeSantis has no charisma and will not play nationally and he will cede to Trump. Trump's going to just beat the shit out of him like electorally. Like I I I don't know exactly how it will play out, but it's just Trump always does the best when he has a strong enemy. Mm-hmm. And now DeSantis and like the the rhinos and like these people, they have a strong enemy. So now he is a new messaging. I don't know if like he might fall through the cracks. It kind of depends. Like, will Elon let him back on Twitter? Like, we'll see. Um, Mm -hmm. But now that he's, you know, a candidate, I guess he kind of has like a, 
uh, claim to that. But I, I just worry that we're going to ignore him again, but in a different way than we did last time. And it's it doesn't feel like anyone's like really taking any action. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, whatever. What a joke. But like we did that already and it went this way. So just don't do that again. Yeah, you sent a tweet this morning and I can't remember who it was, but it was very much like you can already – we can all three of us right now and our listeners can go through the path of self-justifications that these Republicans who maybe aren't into him right now will go through to ultimately decide that they will vote for him. They'll say – what did the, it was like Joe Biden's a communist and because of the spending, we have no other choice but to vote for Donald Trump. It's like, yeah, not today, but people forget. People hope other people forget. Like you said, Sammy, and we've been saying the Republican base as in like some of those voters, like Trump has them whether – whether Kevin McCarthy is going to acknowledge or and Mitch McConnell want to acknowledge that or not. Yep. It should be should be interesting to watch. Also, like Ron DeSantis could like – there's such a big difference between what you know about somebody when there's a governor and they start to run for for president. So like Ron DeSantis could have something incredibly disqualifying that comes out and then, and then there he's the front runner. Trump said that he knows all this stuff about DeSantis and that he's going to like release it. Who knows? Who cares? It, <laughs> clearly no one even cares about what you release, like see Herschel Walker. But it's ultimately the whole thing is so chaotic. And that's really what this is about. DeSantis also, when that lack of charisma is one thing to have in like a vacuum when you are arguing against a state party mm-hmm. that has basically mm-hmm. been in disrepair for more than a decade. Like, let's be clear, Florida Democrats have been on their back foot now for at least 15 to 20 years, um, at least since Jeb Bush was running the state, you've got a lot of people, like it's a very weak state party and it scrambled to the very edge in 2018 and then couldn't finish. And that was basically its last gasp. He's running against a very weak set of opponents. It's another thing altogether to get into the ring with Donald Trump, who has a base that is literally cuckoo pants. <laughs> yeah. They have nothing else in their life. Like they are such losers. Like seeing people that have been showing up to rallies that he, like Trump has been having rallies for the yeah, past year for first first nothing. And because these people have Q-Anon. nothing else and and there's plenty of people in this country that are losers. I'm being basket of deplorables energy, but it's like like hey, I'm just reflecting like they're not going to give it up. They have no reason to. They love him. Not only that, but DeSantis on stage against him, he's so he's so quiet and meek in comparison. I watched him against Charlie Crist. Yeah. Charlie Crist is like just a decent human and he didn't even go that hard. Can you imagine it would look like an, an episode of Celebrity Deathmatch if Trump built up a head <laughs> of steam against Ron DeSantis? I actually think part of the reason that the the uh, announcement that he was running kind of fell so flat and was so low energy is because it was not populated by his rally goers. Yeah, definitely. it was like that's a good point. It was like rich normies ish at Mar-a-Lago, right, rather than right. like his like Grateful Deadhead fans that like With their flags his, and their yeah, MAGA, like it wasn't yeah. his like rally crew. Like it, that's why I think it wasn't that interesting. These are like they were like we're normal, like we're not, even though they're like not. They're like. We're not going to do this. Yeah, one person, one vote. As long as he has his base, it doesn't really matter what the what the never never Trumpers or the so called never Trumpers really think. They're not never Trumpers. They're just yeah. going to vote for him like a <laughs> right. little more quietly. Right, right. And a quick thing: Republican primaries in the, at the presidential level are winner take all. In a lot of situations, they still mm-hmm. haven't fixed that. 
they've made it easier and easier for a random fascist to win by plurality, which is how he did it last time. He did not have a majority. He had a plurality of the votes, but every time he would clear the plurality or majority in a given state, he gets all of the the delegates. So that means that any time he wins, that's a basically a clean shot across the board, which means everybody else has to struggle uphill to try to meet him. And that that's the issue. It's like, where is your chunk of voters that's going to be bigger than his? Because if he even gets a plurality, he's walking away with 100% of the delegates. And that's why proportional is better. There's no way if even the party wanted to change that to try to keep him out, he could use that. That would be the best talking point ever for him. Like, look, they're literally changing the system so that I can't win so the votes don't matter. Oh, boy. It is going to be a primary season today. I sent Sammy a headline just about like, will Trump win the Iowa caucuses? And I was like, I want to set myself on fire. I, I actually be- I actually want to set myself on fire. And like <laughs> the Twitter situation, now I'm like, okay, what are my – because now I'm like, okay, what are my like key news sources? Where am I getting them from? Um, it's a totally – Oh my god, it's a really, really stressful. I think I've, I'm like need to do a reorganization in my mind. Of yeah, things. totally. I think that's important to do after like midterms, after just like reorganize. Obviously, still listen to this podcast every day. We will obviously talk about Trump, even though I'm rolling my eyes about it, but not every day. I just hope that the Democratic Party learned that the people like democracy and their rights, and mm-hmm. we're not as dumb as like. The mainstream, quote, networks want us to think we are. Like, I I just really Mm -hmm. hope they take the lessons that were learned here. Yeah. An advantage (laughs) of the fact that, like, two more years worth of 18-year-olds will be going Mm -hmm. into the electorate and two fewer years worth of old-ass bitches will be dying. Yeah, that's very important as the party. Yeah, that's a good point to bring into this conversation, not just in terms of how Republicans are going to react to this, but how Democrats are going to react to it and if they're going to use the right messaging that we just saw, uh, like what kind of messaging actually feeds back fascism. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes – Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We'll move to another big headline for today. Republicans are, we're talking Wednesday midday. They're nearing a House majority. As we're talking, they've got a win, depending on what you're looking at, another seat in their head and about four of the 10 uncalled. 
regardless, it's looking like they're going to have a pretty tiny margin, as small as three votes, I think. It'll be like 221, which I believe is even smaller than Democrats have been operating under. So I've seen a little bit of chat about this, but Caitlin, can you kind of like for our listeners, why why, why is a small margin bad? Why, what can Kevin McCarthy even do with that? And what can't he do? So Kevin McCarthy, wow. Um, if I, he even is so lucky. So sorry for him. Not really. Um, <laughs> basically, every Republican speaker since Obama has had to deal with a substantial, I would argue between 20 and 40 member Crazy Caucus is how I yeah. put it. They are absolutely batshit. The Freedom from Rationality Caucus. <laughs> yes, they they basically they basically cannot be reasoned with. They want extreme things. Um, Kevin McCarthy has been trying to do some negotiation with them, but they sense that he is weak, partially because he's not all in on Trump, and then on the other side, he is all in on on them, and they don't respect him because they know that he's just doing it to pander. <laughs> um. Because of this, he has an extremely small margin of people he can actually lose for that speaker vote, which I did some investigating. And it turns out speaker is the only role in the line of succession that can be elected by plurality. Um, you did, They do not have to be a member of this, the House, which is a thing that might come into play. I have no idea. Um, and basically, he doesn't have a majority of his own caucus on board. So that three votes is going to be a huge difference question is whether or not Democrats can take advantage of that and come up with a strategy yeah. that breaks this caucus further. So that way they have a shot at naming speaker. Yeah. And they can also, I mean, they can sort of like do their little investigations all the time, but the Senate can sort of just be like, okay, that's fine. We're going to, we're going to stop that there. And as we've been saying, um, the Senate still has the power to confirm judges, which is huge for Biden's legacy, uh, legacy as well. Some things in the lame duck session that the House might be able to do before it shifts to Republican control. So I've been hearing that they're, uh, I guess we're going to make same-sex marriage extra, extra legal. <laughs> yeah, they're like lightly codifying it. I don't want right. to use the word codifying because it's so I had a light. very hard time understanding exactly what they're doing and why it involves states that don't have these laws written out. I'm like, excuse me, what happened in June 2015? But cool. Yeah, it's it's like not the best. And it's interesting it's because isn't this Doma. And it, yes, it also yeah, chiefly it also does repeal don't ask don't tell, which they yeah. think that they can get to is no, the reason Doma, that they're right? Defensive Doma. marriage. Oh, excuse me. So it allows <laughs> um it allows marriage equality to be transferred across state lines. So like right now some states for reasons that don't really make sense. Um, like they're not technically required to recognize um, certain okay. unions. Um, so like now it you get all the full rights whenever you switch to a new state. So if you like move to Utah for some reason, um, blessings be upon you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you're gay, like you your your marriage is still valid. The Mormons are are fine with you now, kind of. <laughs> Not really, but just a little bit. Oh yeah, they're like they're fine with this this, very this light legislation. Yeah, legislation, like, which personally is why we're like, still not into this. Yeah, but is the reason they're bringing this back because they think that now that the midterms are over, they can get enough Republican senators to finally do this? Because they tried this after after Roe, right? Well, I think because this is like not really that effective, this this is I think I'm not sure if this is a separate effort, but I but because it's not really that effective of a bill, mm -hmm. um, 
or not that strong of a bill and that it's like actually – because, okay, like this doesn't close the door to the Supreme Court overturning gay marriage because, correct me if I'm wrong, like their marriage would no right. longer be valid to transfer across state lines if they overturn it. So I, I think the reason it has so much Republican support is because it's like not that good. Yeah, and I mean I think that they just saw that like young people – don't really love like this. It's over. It's like there are gay people, there are gay Republicans. This is sort of like a weird fight. Also, what will be interesting to watch is I believe they're also taking up legislation, uh, reforming parts of the Electoral Count Act, which is, you know, I think, Caitlin, you've said on the podcast, it's just one of many vulnerabilities that led to the violence on January 6th. It's not necessarily going to. There's so much more that obviously needs to be done to protect against, you know, what what Donald Trump could potentially motivate people towards again. That is our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Burr. And this is the Better Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at Betches.com. Betches.